Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast Network. This is Rolling Lines. I am your host for tonight for the very first time in our 184 episodes. My name is John Binkle. I'm at Binklemania, and my special guest tonight, not Josh Hutchinson. He is celebrating his youngest birthday. A shout out to her and coincidentally to my younger brother turning 27 today. So we got dual birthdays to celebrate. My guest host tonight, Mike Rogerson from the Five Hole Fantasy Podcast. Hey, man. Happy birthday to those people. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> have a good one. <laughs> yeah, I think it should no. be good for both of them, man. So, oh, there's no, nothing like a one-year-old's birthday party. I uh, have some some news in my personal life that I can't quite share yet, but uh, soon enough I'll be happy to and excited to share those things related to what you just said, unbeknownst to everyone in the world. So those of you that know my friends and family. Uh, don't hanging out at one-year-old right. birthday parties? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, something like that. Coming up soon. <laughs> Coming up soon. Nice. Nice. So in this episode, much like last week, we have a new format for rolling lines. We've got a few different segments, the power play planner, the shift change from zero to hero. And then the hockey hotline, the mailbag where we answer your voted upon questions. We've got an extra question in there. I liked one so much that I added it to the end with my own vote. And as the showrunner tonight, I get that extra vote. Uh, without further ado, let's roll that beautiful bean footage and get into the fun stuff. So, Raj, before we jump into the Power Play Planner, tell me what you got going on in your world right now. What's new with you? Oh, what's new with me? The biggest new thing, I've been working on the uh, Fantasy Hockey Guide of late. Put out the first three episodes so far um, over on the Five Hole Fantasy feed. Uh, it's like a podcast series for people looking to get started in fantasy, so... We tend to talk about all the complicated, detailed things, and a lot of times um, new people are a little overwhelmed, so I decided to make a, a short series that we can put up for for people who just want to get started and get into it and not be necessarily overwhelmed by our stats and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I've been doing a lot of that and um, getting uh, getting used to the... The November rain, as they say, in October, being in Vancouver, so yeah, umbrella basically. I'm stoked for that series, buddy. I've uh, gotten through two of the Thanks. the three episodes that have released thus far, and um, it's it's somehow still informative for for me being like so heavily involved in understanding understanding fancy stats to like go back and, and start at the baseline and kind of build from there. So I'm stoked that you're doing it. And uh, I'm definitely going to be referring newbies to, to your series for sure. Thanks. Yeah. I've actually noticed the same thing. Like just uh, going back through all these things. Like I literally explained what is a GM in the first episode. Right. For, Cause like we all 
take so much for granted. But going back through all this stuff and it's been reminding me of all of these things. I'm like, oh, I'm saying to do this thing and I totally just never do this and I should, you know. So it's it's been good for me as well. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, just it was something I was going to announce another day, but I'll just say it right now, I guess. What I'm what? going to... Well, exclusive. Uh, what I'm going to do is um, for the people that have been listening to this and wanting to get started, I'm actually going to start a league that starts over the Christmas break. Okay. Uh, so a little bit easier, you know, so people can actually, beginners will be able to like see how well people are doing and, and just we'll start a league specifically for that. So if anyone's interested in a very, uh, ground level league i'll be starting a couple of those uh, around the, the holiday break around december cool i'm looking forward to the update sweet well let's get into it without further ado this is the power play planner this is our schedule segment we help you dominate your fantasy league as we dissect the previous week and examine the upcoming schedule with our power play planner as always this being a midweek pod we focus on Wednesday through Wednesday rather than your classic seven-day schedule. So a little bit of focus on the back end and a little bit of focus on the beginning of next week's schedule. Uh, the first thing we like to do, and uh, this is actually the first week that we get to do so, having had a previous week. So we're going to review the previous seven days, just a couple of uh, record notes. Uh, two undefeated teams, Vegas and Colorado, 4-0 and 3-0 respectively. Calgary at 1-1-1, one, one, one. so really mixed reviews for their uh, new coach and, and new setup and hopefully a return to uh, to previous forms. Uh, Seattle 0-3-1, not looking very strong at all. Buffalo at 1-2, also really, really underwhelming, especially those of you that uh, drafted many of their players in the top 70. Florida also 1-2. And Tampa Bay one two and one in the midst of some veteran injuries. What Raj has struck you in the first week of games thus far? What stands out to you, like player wise, team wise? What's your what's your feeling on the league right now? Well, I, I'm I'm not shocked that Vegas and Colorado are good. That's that's not news. I don't think, um, or that Seattle's bad. To be honest. Uh, they've kind of been playing above their pay grade a little bit uh, <laughs> last year. And um, I think they're actually not very good. So that's not something. Um, I mean, obviously to me, the biggest standout was that first Canucks Oilers game. Um, a lot of people have the Oilers definitely cup contenders. A lot of people say they're going to win the cup. So for my boys to come out and just absolutely kick the crap out of them. Uh, that was a big shock, actually. Happy one for me. Um, followed promptly by losing to Philly, who's the worst team in the world. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's the normal start to a Canucks season right there. So that's definitely not a shock. But No, I think things are actually going not too, uh, not too wild. I'm not shocked. Buffalo's bad. I love Tage Thompson to death, but I mean the team isn't really that good. So, mm -hmm. um, and Tampa. I mean their record is surprising, but once you look at uh, the injuries and stuff, it's not really so. Um, not a ton of surprises 
to be honest, um, that stuff's always so weird. I'm not really surprised by anything at the first week. Yeah, it's, it know? seems like the the narratives have been like really, really true to form thus far, right? Like some up and down play for uh, the Chicago, Chicago Bedards. Seattle mm -hmm. underwhelming, right? Like kind of a, a, a return to where the metrics would have told you they were last season, right? Rather than the output. And there's a lot of teams that are kind of in flux and, and seem to be kind of stalling out of the gate right now. So not a lot of surprises for me there either. And and honestly, like I've seen some questions in, in a few discords where it's like, how are you feeling about your season? How do you feel about your draft picks thus far? And, you know, I know we're seven days into it, eight days into it. And honestly, <laughs> like my takes have been great. Like I feel awesome about it thus far so i'm just waiting for the, the bottom <laughs> to drop out on those takes for sure yeah actually i mean i've i think uh there's one specific performance that isn't a canuck that uh surprised me a little bit and that was just a single game but it was uc sorrows's last game uh i mean it was against edmonton but he let on four goals on like 10 shots or something and that was just unlike him, but yeah, I don't think, uh, I know fingers crossed, but I'm doing very, I'm having a strong start to the season on my takes as well. So we'll see how long that joy lasts. So I'm sure I'm going to beat this horse to death but before we move on to the, to the upcoming schedule. I did want to ask you in those first two games of the season with Vancouver versus Edmonton, obviously complete blowout in the first game, the second game, really really quite a bit tighter mm -hmm. what did you glean from those two different games was it just a wash after after the first period first period and a half after the first game did, did Edmonton just call it did they go back to the drawing board like was was there a significant difference in those two games because I know you're super dialed in and everybody in fantasy wants to know what's wrong with Edmonton right now uh I mean, that first game was the Canucks were great. Like they were actually amazing to watch. The pace of that game back and forth, um, it it was so good. I was very shocked at how little I noticed anything from Edmonton. They had great speed. I mean. That doesn't go away, but they just weren't putting it in. Um, and then the second game, Edmonton, in, to me, Edmonton absolutely outplayed the Canucks. And McDavid had a huge game. Like, if you look at his shots, he had, I think, four hits that game. Um, he had a huge stat line. And then, for some reason, Casey DeSmith was incredible, which has never happened before in hockey. Like, he's... Uh, on five hole, we've had a three or four year long running joke of how he's just unrosterable under any circumstances whatsoever. So when he came to uh, Vancouver, <laughs> uh, TJ and Zach were poking some fun at me. But so far, he's been he's been amazing. Um, I there's no reason to worry about um, McDavid and Drysaddle. Obviously, player a long long time. I don't know. I think, I really think Edmonton just kind of came out like, we're going to win the cup this year. 
and they just kind of got a little ahead of themselves. You saw it in that game against Nashville. They just destroyed Soros, who's one of the best goalies in the world. And uh, I think if people are panic dropping Edmonton players in your league right now, I'd get all over anybody decent from the Oilers because I have a feeling they're really going to crush it for most of the rest of the season here. Right, especially after such a slow start out of the gate and a, and a really, really, really widespread, like, noted beatdown to begin game one. So, oh, against I, uh... the Canucks, like, they're rivals, right? So, <laughs> But McDavid's is not good for anyone. <laughs> That's not good for anyone. All right. Well, let's move on to the next seven days of your fantasy hockey schedule. A few schedule notations for best setups in that span. Calgary, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, excuse me, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday. Anaheim and Boston both playing Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday. And Buffalo, a little bit stronger on the back end, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. Your worst schedule in that stretch, Pittsburgh and Ottawa, both only playing two two games on heavy nights, Saturday and Tuesday for both of them. And a couple of notations about that schedule. Only two Monday-Tuesday back-to-back teams with Montreal and Buffalo, and only two Tuesday-Wednesday back-to-back teams with Washington and New Jersey. So it is quite spread out for the upcoming slate. There are some teams that are absolutely far and away your best options moving forward does anything stand out to you for the schedule as you see it for the next seven days or is this just kind of the only bullet points because it is such haves and haves nots for me when i look at it like mm-hmm. there's there's teams that are only playing on packed nights there's only a bit to choose from from your back-to-back slates and the bulk of their schedule outside of that really really bad I know Calgary has been a big streaming candidate already this week, so it's likely they're snapped up. I am most most looking forward to Anaheim players because they seem to me to be the only ones that are going to be truly available. There's obviously, you know, a couple of players with Boston and Buffalo, but is there anything I'm missing here? Is there something that that's glaring that that you see that I don't? Uh, I'd have a pretty darn similar list to you. I really like Calgary, and I really like Boston. Um, Schedule-wise and opponent-wise, like Boston in particular, they've got the California trip coming up. So they've got San Jose, L.A., Anaheim, which ain't too tough, man. Um, And, I mean, Calgary's got Buffalo, who's not defensively very sound, and then Columbus, who's... Columbus and then Detroit. So, (laughs) so both of those teams not only have, you know, three games in the next four days, but they're all pretty weak opponents. And then next week, um, uh, who did Boston have next week? I forget. They have a pretty decent start. Oh, Chicago, Anaheim, Detroit next week. So even though their schedule is all heavy nights next week, they're again, just defensively weak teams. So, um, so Boston could have some candidates, but like you said, like uh, they're all taken in most cases. So it's it's interesting that you you note that West Coast swing because obviously the caliber of opponent is lower, but I always kind of take that with a grain of salt when I notice that West Coast swing because a most of them are coming East Coast 
to spend all of this time on the West Coast. They're playing later games and they're generally slammed right up against each other so they can get through it. So, I mean, I always take that into account, but you're absolutely right. The opponents, they're pretty, pretty damn weak. Yeah, they'll need uh, San Jose is going to need a lot of help to get past most teams this year, I think. So the last bit of um, work that we have in this segment, a power play player to watch. For me, there's a clear standout with the injury news. Nikolai Ehlers bumped up to power play one with the Velarde injury. They've got a Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday schedule. Do you care? Do you believe the the metric hype? Is this the moment that we've all been waiting for? Or are you are you just assuming that bonus continues to bonus no matter what they are forced to do based on injury? Uh, I just have no faith, to be honest. Uh, uh, it's not a bad choice. I just I just don't have any faith, man. Okay. Um, I could see yeah. that. See, and I'm I'm fully burnt on that faith too. But yeah. right as I decided that, right as I settled on it, where I was like, I'm not, he's not going to hurt me anymore. Like, I'm just going to be hardened to this injury and he gets bumped up. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to roll the dice one more time and, and let this, let this be the time. All right. Fair enough. Um, there's a few, I mean, still being in the first week or whatever, 10 days ish. Um, I guess it is a week. Uh, uh, things are getting shuffled around a lot. Uh, and there's a couple interesting people available on power plays. Like, uh, Calgary's got Matt Coronado playing on the top power play mm-hmm. with Kadri and Lindholm and crew. Um, so he's going to be available. You know, you don't always, you can't always go and pick up top power play guys, but Coronado is going to be available. Um, another guy who um, is kind of giving away some of my later choices, but um, Pavel Zaka as well um, is playing top line, top power play. Uh, you know, that's another team that's kind of in shuffle mode. Um, and even though he hasn't really done much yet he's getting those minutes next to great players so i, I think he's he's an option and he's 39 percent uh rostered in in yahoo right now so he is you know if you can i'm not a massive fan of zaka but if you can get boston's top center top power play guy um yeah i'd do that yeah i agree with you i think it's i think it's more schedule dependent on anything for me with zaka mm-hmm. like yeah on the most recent puzzling players uh, with Nate, he, he touched on Zaka and how he didn't didn't love the underlying metrics and like while the positioning of the team you know would have you have you believe that that was like an auto ad him being pure center and and the underlying metrics really kind of like dissuaded his uh, like fervor for caring about it. So I think the schedule right now is is a benefit, but I kind of agree with them too. Like I just I don't I don't yeah. see anything that makes me excited, you know. No, and that's the thing, right? Like I'm, like I, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be married to him, but given the caliber of opponents and the game count coming up, and just the sheer deployment and players he's going to be around, but no, I, I totally agree with you, Nate. It's not. Uh, 
He's I don't see him being their top line center all year by any means, but he is getting that shot for now and with these weak opponents it could pay off. I dig it. I dig yeah. it. Moving on to shift change. Shift change. Our ad drop segment where we guide you through roster moves and winning strategies and a recap of the day's top most added and dropped players. So quick rundown for that. Top 10 most added skaters on Yahoo today. Andrew Kopp at 12%. Norris coming back from injury tonight at 36%. Brian Rust, a surprising 50% in third place. Turbo, TT, Toevo, Tara Vinen, dual eligible in Carolina at 60%. JT Comfer, dual eligible in Detroit at 39%. Jake Wallman in Detroit at 16%. Erod, center and left wing eligible for Florida and getting crazy burn right now. Only 38%, surprisingly. Eighth place, Jake Sanderson in Ottawa at 56%. Ninth place, Riley Smith, dual eligible wings for Pittsburgh at 63%. And dragging up the caboose, Matthew Joseph, right wing player for Ottawa at 6%. Not a lot of surprises in these must-ads today based on the pretty limited slate, right? Some pretty obvious ads there, but I am honestly shocked to see evan rodriguez so low on this list even given the streaming slate at 38 percent at wing eligible like that's that's really surprising to me like i don't even know how that's a question especially if you're in a category format where he tends to fill up different categories for you mm-hmm. does anything from this j- list jump out to you not really. I mean, in the past week, I've added Cop. I've added Comfer because uh, of the Detroit schedule this week. I actually drafted Rodriguez um, in a couple of leagues because uh, it seemed like he was going to get this deployment. So not mm-hmm. not really. I mean, yeah, it's an, it's kind of playing out. Actually, Jake Wallman, um, he's playing really well, and for categories leagues, for sure, he's uh, been a block monster. Um, and Josh Norris, he fell so far in drafts because of all the injury stuff. I drafted him in a couple of leagues, threw him on the, threw him on the old IR, and um, I'm very glad he's coming back. <laughs> but uh, he could he could turn out to be sort of the grab of the of the year if he returns to his old ways. And a top six there is just so potent in Ottawa now, right? So. I agree. I agree. I'm super scared that he's going to do what he did last year, though, where he's like, I'm good, and comes back and gets like two face-offs into the game and is like, "Mm, turns out not so good. Got to go. So Mm. obviously that's in the back of my mind, so I'm a little bit scared about that. Well, and man, Ottawa is... Slot him into that second line center. I mean, they're going to shuffle things around, but they, right now, it looks like they're planning on trying to run sort of three decent lines, which I'm never for. I I hate spreading talent out, um, which I'm sure they'll realize and stack the crap out of two lines, and they can have two incredible lines. So, uh, yeah, I'm really... I'm looking at the Ottawa lineup right now, and I'm more excited now <laughs> looking at it again because they're 
God, they're good. And Tarasenko's working out. So I have a feeling yeah, he's Norris been better is better than I expected. I think Norris is going to end up centering for Tarasenko. So I'm looking hmm. forward to that. See, and I was thinking about how much that that was going to benefit uh, Batherson and his slow start. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's much that remains to be seen with Ottawa, but I'm really hopeful. I love Norris as a player, so I'm excited to see it. Uh, moving on to our top 10 most drop skaters in Yahoo today. Number one, Connor Brown for Edmonton. It seems like people's experiment with that is over. He is yeah. currently 22% rostered and falling. Number two on that list, Jonathan Drouin. Another experiment on the top line that seems to be faltering a bit. He also 22% rostered. A bit of a surprise here for me. Third place on the drops today, Nick Paul at 28% after being the number one added player last week. So I guess people see him not scoring multiple goals a game and... Uh, not necessarily his power play output. Uh, <laughs> Nick Schmaltz, your fourth place player for Arizona, 36%. Matty Beneers, fifth place in Seattle at 36%. Sixth place, Dawson Mercer at 71% and seeing a ton of drops right now. Seventh place, Luke Shen at 33%. Long story short, LTIR for him, four to six weeks with a lower body injury. Number eight on your list, Barrett Hayton at 14 percent nine and ten both long-term injuries nine is kirby doc the season ending acl and mcl surgery which is a big disappointment after he was just flying to begin with so big bummer for habs fans there uh and your 10th place finish gabe velarde also seriously injured four to six weeks with a sprained mcl so those three towards the bottom not really a shocker three, four, five, six. And perhaps this has to do with center eligibility and schedule, but Nick Paul, Nick Schmaltz, Matty Beneers, and Dawson Mercer are all players that could be rostered for you theoretically all year long. And it, it jumps out to me a little bit as like, is this like overreaction theater straight away or is there just such a glut of talent at center that people are like, I can afford to kick these dudes to the curb or is it schedule? Is it gut feeling? Like what say you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everyone's got their reasons, but there's always people are so excited to be back in fantasy. Everyone just wants to do stuff for the first couple of weeks. Right. Like, um, I've already caught myself doing that. Like I've already used up all my moves in most leagues already by Tuesday. And everyone's just so excited to be back. People are just doing things. And I think some of it's probably that, um, Nick Paul, I mean, nobody drafted Nick Paul and then he had that great couple of games or whatever. Uh, so he got picked up like crazy and with Stamkos being out, I'm sure people imagined he's just going to take over. For Stamkos, but uh, he's not Stamkos. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's not super shocking though. I mean, the ones that really get me are actually the next three: Schmaltz. Schmaltz is weird though. He has like, uh, like a McDavid section every year. Like there was one three-month period last year. TJ pointed out where he was like keeping pace with McDavid for a while, mm-hmm. for like months. And then just completely disappears for two thirds of the season. So, 
Um, he does that. The two Beneers and Mercer really make me sad, actually. Um, I really like both of those guys. So, um, I don't know. I think people are just doing stuff. Beneers looked like a legitimate good player to me. He's on Seattle, who's all struggling. So, he, he'll probably do fine. Um, but he, he's very young on a struggling team, so it's not too surprising. Dawson Mercer, 71%. I mean, there's not a ton of room in Jersey, right? That's another team that's almost like over, over-blessed, and he's kind of the odd man out. Um, so he's a good player. I just think he's kind of... Just like I said, he's just kind of the odd man out. There's only one puck to score with, and there's a, I mean, Jeff is doing that for the team right now. So, um, right. yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad. But I, I think he, I mean, they'd be smart to move a forward or two because uh, they just kind of can't quite fit it together right now. Yeah, that was a concern of mine um, for the Devils in, in draft season. Obviously, Jack Hughes is, is phenomenal, but. It was just such a glut of talent there that I was like, how are they going to work this all out and be fantasy viable? And even as I know that, even as I feel that and say it, Dawson Mercer being right wing eligible and being as talented as he is, like trade him maybe, you know, but uh, man, dropping him is is a lot. Uh, So, Raj, who is your uh, recommended ad this week? Who jumps out to you and you think this is a player I can plant my flag on for the next seven days. Well, the one guy I'd already talked about was, was Zach. Uh, I just like, uh, the schedule. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we already talked about all that. I, I don't see him holding that position, but if he's got it, I'd take him. Um, regardless, he's playing at the moment. He's playing with Pasternak or Marchand, um, and playing on the power play with them as well. So I like him um, for that, that reason. But uh, no, I, I don't see him as a long-term thing. But if we're talking the next few days, next seven days, uh, I think he's he's my guy. I'm not mad at it. Not mad at it. It would have been on a short list for me. I think it just being pure center, there's, there's yeah. such a glut for me that, that I'm – I find myself wanting to to take him off the wire and and just haven't been able to find a place to do it. Uh, for me, my addition, my suggestion right now is Frank Vitrano, eligible at center and left wing. He's a 24% roster. That's up 4% in the last week. He is line two in power play two. However, they have a great up- upcoming schedule, as I noted a moment ago. His average time on ice in two games, over 20 minutes. His even strength usage almost four minutes higher than the next line trio in the last game. His power play usage, even though he's on power play two, is in the shooting position and the usage for his unit not that far behind power play one uh, against Carolina. And his penalty kill usage was significantly higher in that game than anyone else. And he gets you category coverage. So I feel like no matter the format, no matter your roster, you're going to be able to get this player in somewhere. The schedule is excellent. And like just verbatim line two power play two doesn't, doesn't scream, go and add me. You got to get this player, 
But you add all of those things together, and I think it's a phenomenal pickup, especially given how hot he has been in the opening slit. So I'm really excited about it. I like Vetrano as a player in general, and there's been such a spotlight on what Anaheim could be and their quote-unquote trio, right? And the player that I keep pointing to on this team is Vetrano. Like, he does everything you want him to in fantasy, and the schedule absolutely behooves that right now. So I'm all about it. Good call. Yeah, and as you mentioned, he's a, he's a category filler for sure. Oh, man. I just... So, Raj, who are you dropping? Who's got to go? Everybody near Winnipeg. Um, I just... The team is in uh, a shitstorm right now. I don't know if you noticed um, their attendance recently too. Like there was like eleven thousand people at the game. I should did hear about that. It yeah. should be like seventeen thousand, I think. So that's that's horrible. Um, yeah, the team sucks. I mean, as far as like you know, Wheeler aged out, left. I mean, they've still got Connor and Shifley are good. Uh, Hellebuck's good, but the team is just a mess. The whole vibe around the team is a mess. Um, they don't have any off nights in the next two weeks, um, and their next couple of games this week are against Vegas, who is, like we said, undefeated and playing great, and the Oilers, who are angry and going to score a whole lot. So if you have any borderline Jets players whatsoever, I'm getting rid of all those guys. Um and no, Josh Morrissey is not a top three defenseman in the NHL. So last year was a, a wild anomaly. Um, so, yeah, I'm ditching all the Jets. I feel like now is the right time for me to say book it. So I'm going to slip that in there. Shout out to the creamer. My drop for this week, the Yotes. Barrett Hayton, Logan Cooley, Yusuf Alamaki, JJ Moser, and etc. If they are not a mainstay on your roster and they play professional hockey in Arizona. They got to go <laughs> Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, all they play in the next seven days. All of those are heavy nights. They are traveling between each one of those three games. And while the opponents not especially strong, they are defensively strong. So I like all of those players that I listed. You very well may see me, uh, suggest in a better schedule slate that you add them later on in the year. But being that they're only going to get three games in and they're probably not going to crack your roster, they got to hit the brakes. They gone. I, yeah, I can't even see a single player on their team who you have to hang on to. Like maybe if it's a deeper league, maybe Sean Dersey. I like him, but really uh, there's nobody you have to hang on to on that team. I don't think. Okay, I think that's that's a little spicy. That's a little I spicy. I don't know. Like who who would you who would you say you gotta keep there? May all oh, Keller Keller. Okay. Yeah, I mean okay. Keller and Dursey really the only ones, but it's it's a very short list. And if you had asked me a month ago if if Dursey was a player you would have had to have held on to, given all of the defensive players that they they have brought in recently. I would have said no, but but man, the usage is just excellent there, and 
Um, for as much as he doesn't play super strong actual defense, he's he's pretty viable offensively. So, yeah, it's those two for me. But but you're definitely not wrong about the sentiment. Like there's there's a lot of question marks going on there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm I always forget about Keller because like I just I will not draft. There's certain teams I just don't bother drafting from, and Arizona's the main one. Um, you know, just because I'm like, yeah, maybe they're going to, maybe someone will do something, but probably not. And maybe they'll, I just don't want to deal with Arizona <laughs> ever. I hear you. I hear you. I have that same bad team bias. And um, Nate was actually the one that like cracked the stone for me on that. Like I, I'm inching my way towards rostering bad NHL team players. Oh, it's just, it's only Arizona for me. Like, I'll, I'll take players from just about anywhere, but there's just something about them. Like, I just can't. I can't. I, like I don't, I don't even like clicking over to an Arizona game and like, oh, there's a, they're playing in the high school gym or whatever. And like eight people there. And <laughs> I don't know how they get away with playing in mullet arena like that. that at, you couldn't have scripted that. At least. Yeah. I was going to say like, at least it's hilarious. Like that's the one thing is it's, it's gotten to the point where it's like your city literally doesn't even want you there <laughs> like batman's forcing the team to be there and they're like okay well you can play here but you gotta play <laughs> in like a you gotta freaking... share you gotta share a locker with a co-ed yeah i i heard some i know it's kind of off topic but i was hearing stuff like they're not even allowed to like permanently print their logo anywhere in the arena like it's all removable stickers <laughs> and stuff because like God, it's hilarious. That's, that's kind of fucked up. These people make millions of dollars. It's messed up. Well, that, that's that. like I bet, I bet, like, uh, like Clayton Keller or Sean Dursey could literally buy the arena that they're in. <laughs> That'd be really funny. Actually, I wonder about the the legality of that. That is a diatribe for another time. Back to the topic <laughs> at hand. Yes. All right, into the next segment. This is from Zero to Hero, Mastering the Goalie Voodoo of Zero G, where we talk about today's five most added, five most dropped, and some recent success and not so success. Your top five most added goalies today, Anton Forsberg, 12% roster ship. Jack Campbell, 38% roster ship. Bilek Huso at 69%. And Antti Ranta at 36%. Rounding it out, Carter Hart in fifth place at 64%. So we're looking at a streaming option with Forsberg. A little bit of about face on preseason values for Jack Campbell. Bile Husso, of course, a viable uh, starting goalie in the NHL and on a streaming option today. Antti Ranta being added more, I'm assuming, because of the head injury to Freddie and the lack of clarity about who's going to be coming up behind, uh, whether it's Ranta or, or Kochekov. I'm earnestly surprised that it wasn't Ranta and Kochekov like back-to-back in this list, but um, Philadelphia has actually looked somewhat decent right in front of Carter Hart and he of course has some pedigree of success sprinkled in there somewhere so do you care is Jack Campbell the only one that needs to be rostered I think so yeah I mean Philly just Philly looked great against Vancouver the other day and 
Yeah, Carter Hart, I mean, he came into the league uh, as the the savior of the team and just definitely hasn't been that. Uh, and they're in such a, such a spot. I don't know. And uh, with, you know, the, the Philly connection with TJ and Zach, um, I can't bring myself to do it. He's an he he is an incredible goalie, but he just kind of had his his soul crushed, I think. Yeah, and uh, it I just it's another t- another guy I wouldn't really mess around with, but um, I think it seems like Forsberg isn't gonna get as many starts as I thought. Like it seems like they're going the other way, uh, which I like. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I, there's no one on this list. I mean, Jack Campbell, I guess, is is my pick out of that list that I kind of agree with. I don't. I don't think any of them are bad. Bad choices, but uh, yeah, I do like Campbell from that list. I'm in line with that. I certainly like Campbell better than Skinner, having seen what I've seen thus far. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, as as much as the money's on Campbell, literally. You know they want to win. They want to win now, and I think Skinner gives gives an excellent chance at that if he can get his mind right, which is clearly off to a bad start. Your top five most dropped goalies today: Mackenzie Blackwood for San Jose, fifteen percent; Joseph Wall at twenty eight percent in Toronto; Samuel Montembeau at fourteen percent for Montreal. Coming back to Edmonton, Stuart Skinner, your fourth most dropped goalie at seventy nine percent roster ship, and Jonas Johansson the goalie of note in Tampa Bay at 49%. So we got a tandem on here. We'll touch on that here in a minute. Blackwood, a spot starter, but man, he was so good in that start. I'm surprised to be, to see people at least in the number one slot bailing on him. Um, I do wonder about your opinion with Joseph wall. Like obviously he is not the one a in this net, but he is going to get work. What did you think of what you've seen of Wall thus far? Is it is he on an uptick, or is this just purely someone that's going to get spot stream starts for you? Well, I I think Toronto's done a lot to uh, to fix up their back end, and uh, over the last couple of years, Matthews in particular has gotten a lot better defensively. So I think I'm not as scared of Toronto goalies as I used to be, uh, even though they've had a couple scary games so far at times. Um, I don't have a ton of faith in um, Samsonov. So I think Wall is a decent option. I mean, Toronto can win any game. So if he's there to uh, to stream on a back-to-back or something, I would I would be streaming Wall. Um, it's Toronto. Um, I, I love talking crap about Toronto, but, uh, (laughs) they legitimately can beat anybody at any point. So I think he's a good pick. Uh, I'd never expect Toronto's goalies to have great percentages, but win wise, I think they're gonna, they're gonna put up wins. So as long as wins count a lot in your league, I think Toronto goalies are good. I've never liked Blackwood. Um, I feel the opposite. Uh, I don't know why. I've just, yeah, I, I just have had a thing against him. He's on San Jose now. San Jose, jeez. 
home of the greats. I mean, I do hate the way he spells his name, but I suppose that's not really his fault. So I'm pass <laughs> on that. Um, um, your biggest stinker from the previous week, number four on your most drop list was Stuart Skinner. This is where we highlight the worst performance over the last week. Four goals against versus Vancouver. 12 saves on 16 shots for a 750 save percentage. And really important to note, his high danger shots against, five. High danger saves, one for a 200. So obviously they're a much better team defensively than what they showed in that two for against Vancouver. But, man, that is brutal. That is a brutal way to start off the season and especially – at a position where there's such a, a huge importance on like mental load and stability and the emotion about how you feel in the net relaxation, et cetera. So that is ugly. And that is a perfect segue for us into tandem trouble. We have touched on Edmonton. Mm-hmm. The other one on this list for us, Toronto. Do you see any movement in that tandem? I know you said you don't believe in Samsonov. Obviously we'll up and coming, but how cemented is it? Like, are you are you thinking purely on back-to-backs? Are they going to work both? Or is this really just you not thinking that, that Samsonov can stay healthy for the duration of the season? I think they have to go with, with him. I, I mean, Wall will get some starts, but I think Samsonov is the guy, and they have to go with him. I just don't like him. I don't think he's, he's that great. Um, he's never been amazing really for more than you know more than a week at a time really anyway so uh but no at the same time i don't think they can really do anything about it and toronto is so screwed um what do the spot that dubas left that team in um is pretty tight (laughs) right i love that he he did that and dipped he pulled every trick. I mean, he's a smart guy, and but he pulled every mathematical angle possible to circumvent everything and then went to play with Crosby. So um, I just don't see what – I can't see Toronto doing anything big, right? Like it, it would take a major move to, to do really anything, which it would not make sense. Um for them to do business wise, right? So I I just think that's what they got. They're gonna have Wall and Samsonov. Um and I just don't like them. I just I just I think Toronto's gonna outscore their problems and they have a much better D now uh that actually plays defense, some of them. Uh and although it hasn't really worked <laughs> you yet. got it in there. You got it in there. <laughs> It hasn't uh, worked out great yet, but moving Klingberg to the power play, I heard that um, Morgan Riley in the offseason actually asked to be taken off so he could focus on defense more and bring in Klingberg to to be an offensive player. Like Klingberg theoretically can do that fine. He hasn't done too much yet. but uh, So a long way of saying I think that... um, I don't like the Toronto tandem at all, but their defense and and offense, for that matter, might be able to keep them out of a disastrous situation, wins-wise. <laughs> okay. I, I can dig it. My, my gut 
for many months now and up into this day and tomorrow, my gut is that they figure out a way to change their cap maneuverability, change a few of their assets around and bring in John Gibson. But that may just be a segue to our zero to hero best bets for your next newest favorite Tendy. And my bet <laughs> is John Gibson. He's a 38% roster ship in the next seven days, four games, one back to back. So extremely likely to get three starts here. Dallas, Arizona, Boston, and Columbus consecutively. So obviously it's Anaheim. He is going to take a ton of shots, but as we know, this is fantasy hockey and in most of your formats, what you want is volume. And he is absolutely going to give it to you in this slate. Dallas, Arizona, Boston, Columbus, all offensively talented, all going to pump the puck on him. And it wouldn't shock me if they got a couple of wins in here in this four game slate in his one game thus far, which was versus Vegas, who is obviously cooking with gas already. He was seventh in shots attempts per 60. So he's right there where we expect Gibson to be. I mean, last year we saw him, you know, have a 50 game, 50 save shutout. Like any one of these games, he could absolutely come alive and be a monster. I am really excited about Gibson in a fantasy format. What do you think? I yeah, a hundred percent agree. I actually uh, drafted Gibson in two leagues, fully expecting him to somehow end up in Toronto. Um, really? So even I if he doesn't, know. he's in Anaheim. Yeah, no man. Uh, I don't know how they do it, but <laughs> I think that would be amazing for Toronto and Gibson. Uh, and I think if they were somehow able to able to maneuver something with with Anaheim to get Sam Sonov out of there and obviously something and get Gibson in. I also think the team would just lose their shit and just be like, I think that would be like such an emotional lift for Toronto too. Like to be like, mm -hmm. Oh, but we have final on fire a little bit. Yeah. We have the guy, but even if he's in Anaheim, like you said, he's going to get hammered with shots and he saves a good percentage of the most nights, um, which, yeah, in most leagues. I mean, like Demko the other day, even the loss, he he's, I can't remember what his saves were, like 40 saves or something like that. Um, even though he lost, I mean, you still had a ton of positive points because it was a 40-save loss with only two goals against. So um, even though wins are important, you can get guys like Gibson who can actually make enough saves to make losses even worthwhile. Um, they've got some talent. It wouldn't shock me to see them sneak a couple of wins out of this four-game slate. So, Totally. What do you think? Who are you betting on for the next seven? Well, I'm. Uh, we are talking about this off-air. I hate everything. Um, but there's a few guys I'm kind of at least want to mention. But I'm obviously, there's no shock to anyone, I'm banking on a Demko comeback season after his unfortunate injury and crappy season last year that's not like you're going to pick demco up in any league but banking on his comeback um i already mentioned kind of i'm really hoping for corpusello uh in ottawa another guy you're probably not going to be able to pick up but I'm, I'm just hoping he does well i'm just cheering so hard for ottawa like i love the turnaround that the team's got on paper um but the one guy I think I'd be looking at over the next seven days is Jack Campbell. Um, 
said it a few times, like the Oilers are mad after getting thoroughly embarrassed to begin the season, mm-hmm. uh, which is just scary. Um, Campbell did put up a great game last game, actually. He had 42 saves, one goal against. So I have a feeling when it's all said and done at the end of the year, it's going to be pretty even split between the two guys. You've got the young um, Skinner who showed great promise, um, but then you've also got all your money invested in Campbell. So you're kind of in that sort of situation um, where they're probably both going to end up playing and whoever's playing well might get a few extra games. And um, yeah, after Campbell's last game, he's definitely going to get a couple out of the next couple. And they've got uh, Philly and Winnipeg are their next two games. So he'll end up getting one, at least one or both of those. And Edmonton is going to score 25 goals in those two games. So I take it. I dig it. I dig it. I'm in. I do want to ask you a question that I see a lot with goalies, especially with zero G subscribers um, and the ilk, right? Where are you on tandem? Cause Nate, myself, Josh, we want one side of a tandem and another separate other side of a tandem. Do you want both players in a tandem and to figure out which one is best? Do you just want to maximize the starts for a better tandem or do you want more shares in different goalie rooms across the league? Uh, I, th- I mean, it's a little dependent to me. It's a little dependent on how the league set up and how many minimums and, and a few, few things like that. How many bench players you got is a big part of goalies for me, but my, um, my goalie strategy, generally speaking, is um, draft-wise fairly zero G ish. I've always been okay. a, a not full on zero G as to what some people take it to, but even that, like, it, I've noticed this season, uh, if you're in a league where everyone's going zero G then you can it's much easier for you to do it as well because like if you know um you know in a lot of circles zero g is really caught on and you can basically if you know that you know no one's even thinking about goalies till around 9 10 11 ish so you don't even have to think about it and you're not going to get hurt but you know in some other leagues for example another league i'm in all the goalies were gone by round five so even if you wanted to play zero g you were really like there was nobody left not like you were cleverly picking guys from the bottom like by round five there's literally no starting goalie left from any team um Yikes. so so it does matter a little bit which which way you want to go but when it comes to what you're okay. actually asking there um i tend to go there's there's a few workhorses left um i'm it's an easy choice for me because Demko had a shit year, so people lost some faith in him. He has no backup uh, whatsoever. He's going to play 60, 65 games and be good. And I want to have him on my team, so I always just go for Demko. Um, everybody knows I'm doing it. Um, and then I usually try to get a sort of a, a late-round workhorse type of guy. Like this year I got Corpusalo very late. 
Uh, I saw Bennington go undrafted in a few leagues, and I, I don't like the guy. I don't think St. Louis is amazing, but he's probably going to play 60 games as well. Um, he's not been terrible to begin with, too. He was no. He was certainly an option for me as a suggestion this week, and just like you, I hate him. Like I, yeah. I wish that dude would take a long walk for real. Yeah, my um, my take on zero G for me just to f- finish and I'll get off here. Um, I just like uh, I like getting a couple guys I know are going to play a lot because the one thing I don't like I'm not saying it doesn't work but I don't like doing the style of zero G where you're constantly streaming every week and having to keep that I I just don't want to keep up with goalies that much. Um, okay. uh, so I tend to like try to push it in rounds is for sure as much as i can but i do tend to try to get guys who have no feasible backup um and hope they don't pull a vasileski right get injured in game one or whatever and <laughs> now he's out but okay that's that's just but uh, i do tend to go that route i'm not big on tandems like if there's something like edmonton for example uh, I might pick up those guys as streamers if they're available in the league, but I'm not really into investing too hard into a goalie that's going to play like 35, 40 games. I'd rather, you know, know they're going to play 60 to 65. Okay. Let it be somebody else's headache. I get you. I just don't want to deal with it. And like I said, I'm not saying it doesn't work to do it the other way. I just I hate it so much. I'm not Kevin Woodley. I'm not Kevin Woodley, okay? Not yet. Not yet. Roger, I just just noticed your hoodie, and I have to admit this to you specifically. You've got the old school uh, Nux Skate logo on, and until I was roughly 14, like just just prior to, to driving school, I thought that the skate uh, logo was a planet. I thought it was like Mars. And I always wondered nice. what that had to do with Vancouver or with Canucks. Um, <laughs> and I am not entirely a dumb American. Like my dad is Canadian. I'm a dual citizen. I'm a big fan of hockey. Uh, I was just a dumb teenager. But yeah, for a really long time, I loved the logo, but I literally thought it was like Mars or something. So. That's um, so please, great. Please don't at me, uh, anyone about that. I am dumb. Uh, now that I'm, full, I'm seeing full disclosure, I'm seeing it in the in the camera here. Now I can, I can see that. I can definitely see that. If I oh, thought that, I'd be in trouble. But <laughs> you're you're a good man. Thanks for backing <laughs> me up on that. All right, the last one of our weekly four segments. This is the hockey hotline, our mailbag segment. The Hockey Hotline is open, and we're answering burning questions as voted on by you in our Discord. Shout out to the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Discord. Number one vote getter this week, question from Space Coyote. They say, not fantasy related, but did do you guys play ice hockey? How long? How far did you go? And what position? I'm going to pass it off to you, Raj. Tell us your story. Did you play ice hockey? Do you play ice hockey? Currently, no. Um, this uh, hoodie does a fairly good job of hiding uh, extra extra 20 on here. Um, I haven't played in a long time. I did play a bit as a kid from when I was five till I was 
10, and I was uh, I was a fairly talented little center. Um, I was played on the the rep team, like the which is like the all star type of team. Um, and uh, I think in my first year playing, I was like like five might seem young to Americans, but like Crosby was already like. <laughs> <laughs> amazing by the time he was five but uh in my first real season i think i was i was voted the most improved player and made the all-star team and by the end of it i was the starting center on the uh, on the rep team so but then i quit the biggest the only literally the only thing in my whole life that i regret is i quit hockey because all my friends were playing soccer and they're at the same time so i quit <laughs> hockey and joined soccer that and is play- your dirty secret at this oh. point, i think yeah, and I played soccer for ten years. That was fun too, but now I wish I didn't. But yeah, I don't play anymore. Too out of shape. So I um, did not play ice hockey. I played quite a bit of roller hockey from probably eight through. I think I was fourteen um, when I pretty badly hurt my ankle uh, in a tryout for a season, actually, um, and. Ice is very expensive around Dallas. There are a bunch more rinks than you would expect, but uh, very expensive. There are a ton of beer leagues, but at this point in my life, I have like odds and ends of equipment. Like I've got a few sticks. I've got some gloves. I've got, uh, you know, like an elbow pad in a closet, but I've not gotten my money together to put it all back together and, and go find a team to play with. So just like you, I've got an extra 20 uh on my body and i'm minus 200 in my bank account uh, so i don't <laughs> i don't spend any money on equipment i got up to um traveling at about 14 with with hockey but that was my last experience playing uh my dad is left-handed so i learned how to play hockey left-handed i'm a left-handed shooter but i'm a right-handed dominant person so i fit really well on the right wing and and played really well uh in roller hockey um up until that point, but, but that was it for me. And then as I transitioned to high school, I played baseball and basketball and football. And, um, I regret not continuing to play, uh, mostly because I just, I love the game and I, and it's such a, a tight community hockey players, especially in a place like, like Dallas Fort Worth, right? Like you're <clears throat> very much a, a drop in the bucket in the sports community. So, um, but I always went with my dad to beer league nights and, and things of that nature. So um, I was not great and I did not play for a super long time, uh, but that didn't hold me back. I'm still shining right here with you. So <laughs> uh, question number two for us from the pork man. He says the perfect guest for this is Brock Besser back. I am of course going to defer to you on this. Is he back? Was he ever here? What do you think? He was once here. Uh, his rookie season was incredible. He, I think he, he was a shoe in for rookie of the year, and then he got injured and missed the last bunch and got ended up getting beat out. But he's had a really, really, really rough last few years. Um, family stuff. Dad. Uh, he's a very emotional guy. Like I've, I've actually had the pleasure of meeting him a couple times uh, around town and, and different things. And he's a, he's a super person. Like he's like a very, just a good dude. And you could tell like 
when he was playing really bad and then it kind of got out that his father wasn't well and stuff like that, it made 100% sense. And everyone was talking about all these different things about his game. I was like, no. Having met him and hearing his dad was sick, I was like, he's not going to do well this whole season. There's no way. You could just tell he's that kind of guy. Uh, but he's over it. And uh, from being around the city and around the team, they everybody's super stoked. And he looked so good in that first game and continues to look good. So I think... Yes, he's back. The reason for his absence was mostly just about 100% emotional, so I'm not worried about it uh, whatsoever. I think he's 30 goals is a, I'd, I'd say for sure, and I, I he could legitimately get high 30s, I think. Okay. Yep. Yeah, they look sharp, man. They look, like, other than that Philly game for whatever reason, but they look really good. So. Yeah, Yeah. Bit of a come down after that start, I think. Maybe a maybe a trap game against Philly there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I think he's back. But man, he is in a better place, right? Like trade requests rescinded, you know. Obviously grief never goes away, but a long time removed from that at this point and in a great situation and getting good usage. So I think it's as likely more likely than not that that he is quote unquote back. I'm I'm down. I'm advocating for it. And I mean, the way value wise, he went undrafted in quite a lot of leagues, even in Vancouver. So, I mean, he's definitely yeah, back. He's back to value. To the value. Yeah. yeah. He's back to his value for sure. No doubt. Question number three for us in the mailbag from Jay Roma. Why is Carolina so annoying for fantasy? Sign someone who dropped Jarvis two days ago. Yikes. They say, but really, are they really the worst for rotating players and basically making everyone other than Ajo kind of risky? Or is it just a little worse than most teams do, but we all really exaggerate it? What do you think? Is it an exaggeration? Is Rod Brindamore the devil? Is it somewhere in between? Uh, He's, I think, close to, if not the best hockey coach in the league. And, wow. and close to, if not the worst fantasy coach in the league. Um, I think I was I was talking with Blake uh, a couple weeks ago. We we talked about this. I don't. I, it's, this is the other team I avoid. Arizona just because they're garbage, but Carolina because they're too good of a team. Like nobody excels. Nobody's going to play a ton. Um, they're they've built a team that's perfectly happy to win and not score um i mean aho is incredible svechnikov is could potentially one of the coolest players around but they're just such a sound team that uh it almost means nobody scores a ton you know what i mean like they're (laughs) unfortunately they're more concerned with playing good hockey (laughs) and so yeah, I 100% agree. They are so annoying for so annoying for fantasy. A bunch of guys who are great players, but they cannot score and be a great team because they're not built around. Uh, they're just not built that way. So I, I personally, again, try to avoid Carolina just for that exact fact that this guy's asking about here. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, Raj. Jay Roma, that's it's both. The answer to your question is both. Are they really the worst for rotating players and making everyone other than Ajo kind of risky? 
yeah, they are. Do we inflate that as a community in our frustration and and the narrative built around it? Also true. Like they are just so good that they can pair anyone with anyone top to bottom and that's going to be fine for them. And unfortunately for your fantasy roster, that doesn't really give you clarity and clarity is what you need to be successful in the long run. So it's both, unfortunately, uh, especially for me, because I love Ajo. Uh, question number four from Chris Hollywood. Chris, I don't know that you ever put a question into our discord, so we appreciate you being here. They say pick a team between Montreal, Ottawa and Buffalo who you think has the best chance to break into the playoffs this year. I feel like I know the answer from your end. So I'm going to throw mine out first and you tell me if I'm absolutely insane. Okay. Just don't say Montreal. Fine. I won't say Montreal. For me, (laughs) it's, it's Buffalo. The top end talent is just so good, but what really tips it for me, honestly, is that I, just didn't really expect Levi to be this solid. Like, given just the glut of goaltenders for them last year, I didn't see it as solidified of a situation as it has shown to be thus far. And man, he looks good. Like, I, as bad as the defense can be for them, there's a lot of stability. They locked up Owen Power. They got top flight players. I feel like they need to play those top flight players more. And I'm not saying it's a shoe in because Montreal has talent, even though they're not especially good. It's not the right time for them, but they've got talent. And Ottawa is trending up in, in all ways, right? They're bringing in the right players. They're putting in the right system. Hopefully Norris comes back healthy between the two of their goaltenders. They've likely got a probable starter for every night. But man, my gut says Buffalo. I assume that you're thinking Ottawa. Am I right? I'm definitely thinking Ottawa. Yeah, they're. I've got their team stats in front of me, and they're off to a decent start. Now that they have Chikrin, uh, they put a ton of faith in Sanderson, and he's actually through as well. Shabbat doesn't have to play 45 minutes every night now. Um, even like a guy like Hamannick on the back end, just as your sixth D, just an old, an old D guy who can play defense. You know, they've kind of got, they've got an actual team here with some really good forwards and probably a good goalie. And my favorite scrapper in the league, Zach McEwen, uh, former Canuck, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely thinking. Ottawa, I mean, Buffalo, I would definitely not be surprised. Uh, I don't think they don't quite have the uh, the amount of good forwards, but they also have uh, a pretty tight D as well. So I wouldn't be surprised with Buffalo, but Ottawa, I think, is... Uh, I'll be shocked if they don't make the playoffs. So before we jump... Just a, a question here in our comments on YouTube. Antonio says, what do you think of Tage Thompson this year? Slow start for Buffalo. They know it's only three games. Just curious to hear opinions. Is it just time on ice? Was Tage way over 
the bar last year and that we're just seeing where he really is? Or do you think that he is a top 12 talent and we just need to see more time on ice and more games for that to flesh out? Well, no, this is zero points in three games is not the real Tage Thompson. I wouldn't say that. But I think last year something was going on in Buffalo. Like Darlene was just off the charts. Thompson was off the charts. Jeff Skinner. Like all of those guys were playing to their absolute max all year. Like to the point where it was like, now nah, this won't continue, you know? And then you're like, this is 70 games in and they're still all killing it. So um, I wouldn't expect the output same output for Thompson, but he's he's a real player. Like he is a very good player. I don't see like you know that uh, high tide floats all boats or whatever mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think there was a lot of that going on last year in Buffalo, where just like everyone was totally peaking, <laughs> uh, yeah, all year long, and like Tuck and guys like that. So um, I think this is. Uh, really way overcorrected itself in the other direction for now. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I think Thompson's a, a point per game probably by the end of the season. I think he's he's good. I remember seeing him the first time I saw him play against live in, in Vancouver here. It was before he broke out. And as soon as I saw him skating on the ice, I was like, who is that? I remember that. I remember talking with you about that where you saw him in person. You were oh. like, he's a he's a monster. Like he's massive. And but and it's oh. not like it's not like with Chara, where Chara was like kind of a weird, awkward, big troll dude. Tage Thompson looks like a six foot eight athlete. Like he is he looks like he could play in the NBA kind of thing, but he chose hockey. Like he's, he's built properly. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he's not like, uh, like Bufflin was huge, but he wasn't really an athlete. Like, a- like alien shaped. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Thompson, man, he's like, he's one of the most impressive, uh, specimens of a, of a, of a dude that I've ever seen. Um, and he's shooting his butt off. It'll just, he'll, he'll be, he'll be fine. Our uh, last question from the mailbag tonight, question number five from Nuck, fittingly enough. With Velarde out, should we look to sell on Ehlers if he gets hot? They say, feels like Bonus is just waiting to demote him anyway. I've got a feeling about how you feel about Ehlers. So it would seem to stand a reason for me that if he does get hot in this exposure, that you absolutely would trade him. I don't think I'm I'm misguided in that. But for me, if the metrics have been there all of this time and we've just been waiting for the opportunity, right? Week in and week out, we're like, why is he not getting the opportunity? Where is it going to come from? He's clearly the, the more talented player in this setup. And he finally gets that and does well. Then is the time you sell. So if it does happen, if he does pop off, in this this exposure with Velarde injured, are you gonna sell? Like I know your faith is gone, but can it be reinvigorated? And if it does, are you gonna move on from that? Are you gonna sell high? Because I feel like it would stand to reason that if he got the time and was successful, that that would be an indicator of all of these underlying metrics being true. And I would still sell. Like I would still take the opportunity to sell a hot commodity given that there's no track record. 
Yeah, I'm I'm on board with selling. Uh, I mean, we've picked all the teams tonight. It's another one I just avoid. Uh, I've had a ever since Wheeler started getting old. I've had no faith that the when they uh, their defense blew up. Right, they lost Tyler Myers, Bufflin. It was that sort of era where they looked like legit great team. They looked like they could be Final Four in a row there. Just all of their big good defensemen left the same season, Truba. Um, and I'm like, great, we've got Neil Pionk. Ever since then, the team's just never... And Line A was being a, a dink for a while there. And ever since then, the team just has never got it back together. Um, Ehlers uh, is one of those players where the numbers are always underlying. And I think that's... A good way to predict breakouts is look at underlying numbers and if this happens, this might happen kind of thing. But we've now been saying that for how many years with Ehlers and with the team and the state it's in. Wanna I don't wanna hope, like you know. I mean there's there's no one challenging him for ice time there right now, right? Uh right. but yeah. I mean, what do you do? Do you go Connor, Shifley, and and him and just have like have literally only one line that's professional even on the team? Or do you break it up and now you end up with Ehlers, you know, playing with a bunch of triple A players? Also Rams, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um I like the player. That's the crappy thing, is I like Ehlers as a player, but at some point, for me to be interested, the numbers have to not be underlying all the time. They need to be upfront, and production needs to happen at some point. So, I don't know. Three games, five shots, no stats to speak of. That's I don't know, man. I'll I'll leave them to Blake. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. Well, Mike, thank you for joining us, man. That's all we have for today. Thanks. For Please leave me, us buddy. a review on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts for those of you who already have. Thank you so much. It's helped us a lot with our audience growth. If you like our content, check out the Apples and Genos Patreon to support us on a monthly basis. Hop in the Apples and Genos Discord server where you can ask mailbag questions just like these. Thank you so much to the band They're There for providing our music. Their Spotify link is, of course, in the episode description, as are all of these notes. I am at at Binklemania. Nate is at Apples Genos. Blake is at Blake Creamer AG. And Mike is at the Mike Rogerson, putting out phenomenal content all of the time with the five whole crew and their taxi squad filling in the holes right now. As Josh says, please practice safe stats and happy streaming. Good night, y'all. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Oh, no. Where? There we go. Bye. <laughs>